0: Fantasy coaches, and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. Today we're gonna jump right into week one action with Justin Boone of thescore.com. Justin's been one of the most accurate experts since 2012 and especially excels at in-season rankings, which is what we're gonna focus most of the show today around. But first, we're doing a new sweepstakes for My Playbook's ultimate package, which comes with unlimited team imports, DFS lineup optimizer, and all kinds of other goodies. My Playbook changes fantasy football, giving you deep league analysis at the click of a button. There was even a thread on Reddit about whether or not it's cheating. If you want to win your league, My Playbook's amazing. So take a look and sign up for the sweepstakes. All you have to do, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, then copy paste it uh, to me at an email. That's Bobby at fantasypros.com.
1: All right, on to some fantasy football. Hi, Justin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I uh, I mean right off the bat I wanna you know thank you guys at Fantasy Pros for everything you do. It's, uh, I'm I'm a pretty competitive person by nature. Um, so being able to, you know, go up against all the other experts in the industry and in the accuracy contest has been great. It's been really fun. And I know how much work you guys put into it. So it's uh, appreciated by myself and uh, I think appreciated by everybody in it.
0: Well, we really appreciate the kind words. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for the experts, we wouldn't be able to do so much of what we do. So uh, thank you again for coming on the show and also for providing us accurate uh, rankings every week so that uh, our listeners and, and the people that visit our site get great information and can win their leagues. It's, it's awesome stuff. And people like Justin, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're recording on Labor Day right now. And Justin doesn't care. Justin doesn't care at all because he was telling me before the broadcast, there's no such thing as a holiday uh, during fantasy football season. And that's exactly right. And it's attitudes like this that really help us. So thank you again, Justin.
1: Yeah, no, no worries. Might be a little a little sleep deprived this time of year, but it's great. (laughs) We're all really excited for week one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally worth it. All right, let's jump into some of this news. And this isn't especially week one relevant, but we did have a big trade over the weekend, which is
1: almost laughable to me. Sam Bradford for a
0: first. What what's going on there?
1: I am going to disagree right off the top. That has been the sentiment from everyone. I mean, everybody has said, you know, everybody kind of had their hate on as soon as the deal happened. And I understand that I can see that completely giving up a number one for Sam Bradford on paper seems crazy, but I think there's a lot of other factors involved. I mean, I think just keeping the morale of the team strong, it, taking that into account. And and this isn't even just from a fantasy perspective. This is also for, you know, the Vikings playoff chances and all that sort of stuff. I think when you make that downgrade to Sean Hill, there's just something that's probably felt in the locker room, right? It's oh no, right. We have to go with the backup now. <laughs> but if you make a trade for, you know, a former top pick and, regardless what you think of Sam Bradford and I know everybody has strong feelings on that um, I think putting him in there gives you a chance to sort of get that momentum back and you know looking at what Teddy Bridgewater did last year and he got them to within a a chip shot of a playoff win and he didn't even play that well last year so you know can Bradford do something similar to that I think so can he give them what Bridgewater was going to give them this year which I think was going to be a step up Bridgewater looked really good in the preseason. I think he would have had a stronger year um, and definitely made them a, a Super Bowl contender. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender with Bradford, but I think they could make a deep playoff run and I think I would have made the deal as well if I was the Vikings though with the one caveat. I might have waited a day and saw maybe I could get a get them down to a second round pick. Or I don't yeah. know if they needed to jump at the first rounder. But um, I, I do I do like the deal for them, and I I, I do think it's going to help them because this team's going to win on the the strength of their running game, the strength of their defense. I think their defense is going uh, far later than they should in fantasy. I, I've been grabbing I them agree. eighth, ninth. They're a fantastic young defense. Um, and that running game, right? Not just Adrian Peterson, but Jarek McKinnon. He's, he's flashed in limited actions prior to this year. He looked great in August. I think he could be a real difference maker if you know, if he gets that chance. Obviously, we don't want to see Peterson get hurt, yeah. know, hoping that doesn't happen. But if it does, I think McKinnon could be an RB1 in, in fantasy.
0: McKinnon was even a a good flex play at the end of the season because of the impact he was making in the passing game. And that's with AP going, you know, I'm really intrigued by this trade because, uh, you know, this is going to sound funny because I don't think he was worth the first round pick, but I like Bradford more than Bridgewater. I think he's better for that offense. Um, I last podcast, we did a hot takes podcast and I said that Sam Bradford was going to keep that Eagles job all year and that I thought he was going to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks. Now, that was a little bit pushing it for, for a hot take, <laughs> but I like Bradford quite a bit. I really do. I think he can be uh, fantastic. And now he comes to an offense with better pieces. I don't know if he's I don't think he's start worthy in fantasy, but, you know, if you're drafting a backup quarterback, this could be a nice little play for you.
1: And it just goes to to show, we've talked about this, I think all preseason, how many quarterbacks there are that you can consider in fantasy, right? right? There's, I would say there's probably 24, 25, like I wouldn't go after Bradford myself, but he's a, you know, he's a bi-week option. He's, you know, somebody that can obviously be in there in, in two quarterback leagues. Um, you know, he's in that mix with guys like. Jay Cutler or you know Brock Osweiler, who I don't particularly love, but I think he you know has a chance to to do something. There's a potential. There, there might
0: be something there with Osweiler.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, Robert Griffin would be down there as well. I mean, Griffin has a chance to really blow up when you consider his you know his rushing ability and stuff as well. So, um, yeah, Bradford enters that mix down there. And well, I wouldn't you know go after him. I wouldn't trade for him. I wouldn't try to you know draft him at the end of my draft. He's a name to to remember because. You know, Stefan Diggs, I don't think his value is going to be affected much. Um, I think he's going to be their number one receiver this year. Uh, Unfortunately, Laquan Treadwell hasn't come on yet. He might come on a little more as the year goes on. Um, But, you know, looking at a player like Diggs could definitely help keep that passing game going with someone reliable like, you know, Kyle Rudolph, who's you know going to be a factor in the red zone and, and stuff like that.
0: How does this trade affect the Eagles offense? I mean, obviously, Ryan Matthews is going to get a lot more carries, right?
1: I would probably scream from the rooftops. Just stay away. <laughs> I mean, I want nothing to do with the Eagles' offense this year. I know some people like Zach Ertz. I know a lot of people have been on the Ryan Matthews bandwagon. I I'm scared of Matthews for the obvious reason, which is the yeah. injuries he's been hurt in the past. Um, you know whether he can get through a full full slate. You know we'll see if he's going to be the number one guy. I really think though that Darren Sproles is still going to be a factor there, and I think they're going to use him a lot in the passing game because they have to because they're going to be trailing in games they don't have a lot of weapons in the receiving core you know Jordan Matthews is entering the the year with a, a bit of an injury hopefully he's healthy now entering week one um but outside of that you know do we really trust Dorio Green Beckham maybe they'll use him in the you know in the red zone um you know Nelson Aguilar has just been horrific I mean we can't trust him at all in fantasy um so looking at somebody like Sproles uh, you know I think he's going to have a big big impact on that offense Um, but other than, and getting him at the value you can get him at as well, which is really, really late in drafts, you know, you're going to have to pay to get Ryan Matthews at this point. And if you're looking at a guy that's going to be, you know, a two down player and, you know, might not be able to stay healthy and be playing in an offense that's going to be trailing quite a bit just not that exciting to me. Uh, I want nothing to do with Carson Wentz, you know, as a rookie quarterback with limited <laughs> options in a Doug Peterson yep. offense, it's, you know, going to rely on the running game as much as it can until, you know, it's forced to go elsewhere. Um, you know, Zach Ertz. like I mentioned before, a lot of people like Zach Ertz. I think there's potential there. Uh, you know, he might just become a de facto kind of number one or number two receiving option. Um, but I just think there's better options at, at tight end. So, Looking around when I enter my drafts, I did a piece earlier in the preseason looking at, you know, offenses that you just don't want to be a part of. And the, the Eagles were on there. That's just, you know, that's a team that I don't have any interest in, in touching this year.
0: You know, I've had a couple listeners ask me this question and I'm not sure what to make of it because I don't think Sproles is ever going to get a bunch of carries. But Matthews is obviously really injury prone and I I love his upside. So I've been taking him in some leagues. I'm I'm guilty. I'm one of those guys. But (laughs) if Matthews does get hurt, who's the backup? Who's going to get those carries? Is it
1: just a split? I I think it probably will end up being a split, but I actually like Canyon Barner. I I think Barner, I've had him ranked, I think, higher than than most uh, throughout my draft rankings. Um, I think he's got some talent there and I think he could be a guy that could step into once again, that, you know, first, second down kind of role. Um, he's got a little flash to his game. Um, you know, I I think they would have to, you know, find somebody once again, that they could lean on like Matthews. They, I don't really like Wendell Smallwood. He hasn't really shown much so far. Um, so yeah, I think Barner is, is the guy to have there. Not big on handcuffing, but uh, Barner is someone that's on my watch list. And in deeper leagues, if you got the bench spot to stash him away, I would do it. We've seen guys like Barner explode onto the scene, and
0: uh, he's he's a talented running back. He doesn't have all the hype around him, but um, you know he's he'll be an interesting guy to watch because. Uh Matthews I'd say there's probably a 40% chance he gets hurt for an extended period of time and I hate to say that about anyone but that's just what history tells us. So, uh we'll see what happens there and I'm keeping my eye on Barner. Now there's a couple really important running back situations here for week 1 that I'd like to talk about the Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks and Redskins. Let's start with the Chiefs. Jamal Charles, I mean we've been here and he's been practicing with the reserves. He might miss week 1 entirely. Is this just a guise so maybe the Chargers don't prep as much for Charles? Is he really going to miss week one? And if so, does Spencer Ware get RB1 carries or is it a split with him and West?
1: Well, I'm in the process of doing my week one rankings now. It takes quite a bit of time. And as we talked about before the show, making that transition from the draft rankings to the week one rankings is, you know, such a big shift. You have to take into account injuries like this one. You have to take into account specific matchups um in my the you know sort of the rough rankings that I've done so far I have Spencer Ware at the running back 13 and that's uh, higher the most though I imagine it's going to go up uh, quite a bit uh, you know as we hear more about Charles throughout the week um but I you know Ware has shown us that he can do that job um he can be the number one he's the clear number two at this point um and it looks like going into the season they're going to ask him to do it and and fantasy owners should remember what happened last year they should remember that you know, where's going to be a, a goal line back. He's going to be a guy who can really do anything on the field. Um, and even when Charles is healthy, whether that's this week or moving forward, I think where's going to keep that goal line job. So I, I love what he brings. Um, I've stayed away from Charles uh, maybe completely, depending on a few, you know, MFL tens where he maybe dropped a little further, but spending a, you know, a second or third round pick, uh, you know, on a player like that, that you really don't know what's you know what's happening with him what his recovery was we didn't see him get back on the field till really late in the, the preseason and there's a lot of you know factors to consider there you know significant injuries that he's suffered now multiple significant injuries uh, his age you know the fact that a speed dependent player like that he's, there's a good chance he's going to drop off when those injuries and that age start to hit him he's going to be affected maybe more than you know some of the guys that can just pound the ball up in there short yardage guys so i i'm all about spencer ware I tried to get him as many places as I could this year because I love a player like that where I know if his starter goes down, he is going to be the number one. And it looks like we're going to see that right out of the gate in week one for where.
0: There you go. For those of you listening, Justin Boone, number two in Fantasy Pro's most accurate expert competition from 2012 to 2015, says Spencer wears the number 13 running back at this point. So take note, especially if you're playing DFS, because uh, that's a nice cheap piece to add to your lineup. Now, another backfield situation we we need to talk about, obviously, is what's going on in Baltimore. Because everyone was saying Justin Forsett's probably the starter. And then all of a sudden he's cut and then he was added back on. So what is going on here, Justin? Is Justin Forsett going to still get the starting carries
1: or is it going to be someone else? I'm I'm really glad that the Forsett thing happened this week because it forced me to look very, very deep into that situation and try to figure out what's going to happen there. Um, I we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, what kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge deal they had with Forsett, obviously. But I think at this point, you know, you want to stay away from Forsett. I'm not that interested in and. In, Terrence West for this week, it's going to be Forsett who's going to get the most touches, but it's going to be a mix. We're going to see Terrence West. We're going to see Buck Allen in the passing game. I think the thing to take away from this, though, is that this is going to be Kenneth Dixon's job. It's going to be Kenneth Dixon's job. Once he gets healthy, maybe it'll take him a couple weeks. So we'll look at it, let's say midseason or something like that. I think he's going to be the guy here. I think he has a three down skill set. Um, I just can't get behind any of the other guys and of, this is a scary situation it's scary when you have four backs and any one of them really could end up emerging as the guy but Dixon was drafted for a reason and I think we saw late in the preseason he was getting touches with the number ones and I'm wondering if he didn't get hurt whether Forsett would even have that job right now maybe they would have just let Forsett go and, and gone with Dixon and West as his backup and then Buck Allen as the a receiving option there
0: all right. Now, what about this Seattle backfield? I mean, Thomas Rawls was phenomenal at the end of last season, over 700 yards and six starts. But then Christine Michaels all of a sudden reemerged with all this hype. Uh, and then you've got CJ Proseis, who once again, they drafted for a reason. So is it just going to be a big split backfield or is one of these guys
1: going to emerge in week one and get most of the carries? Well, wasn't it great seeing Rawls get out there for the final preseason game? And he just made sure he was out there and, pre, you know, pregame, he was jumping around the field. And it almost reminded me of like, a, you know, a little kid trying to get their parents attention. Like, oh, P Kara, look at me. Look at me. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. Right. Because <laughs> he probably felt the heat and we all saw it. Right. Chris Christie Michael looked crazy. I mean, he he might preseason. never lose
0: that job if he gets it in week one.
1: Absolutely. Like Christine Michael could take that job and run with it. You know, if we all believe in the awakening, you know, as Daryl <laughs> Bevel called it, the talent was always there. So if the maturity shown up, Christine Michael could be an RB one in fantasy. That is definitely possible. Now, Thomas Rawls is still there. I still think Thomas Rawls is the better back. It's a little scary going into week one, not knowing exactly how healthy he was. And I think the Seahawks are probably going to split the carries up a little bit. But I still have Rawls as an RB2 going into week one. Interesting. I think they're going to give him a chance. Um, you know, I think seeing him in that final preseason game, if he still had issues, I don't think they would have let him get on the field. And he got on the field and it wasn't, you know, it was after Christian Michael had played. They sort of let him get in there and it was only for a couple carries and they get two carries for seven yards or something yeah. like that. But that was a really good sign to me because that showed, okay, maybe they are just holding him and they want to make sure he's completely healthy and they're going to unleash him. So I think Rawls is going to get the majority of the touches there. I think Michael will mix in. Um, So I I think for Michael to get that job, it's going to require Rawls to either not be as good as he was last year. Maybe the injury, you know, that ankle injury that kind of plagued him all offseason. Maybe it actually affects his play and he can't get back to the level he was last year or whether he suffers another injury and goes down. I think those would be the two cases when Michael could get in there. As I mentioned before, don't totally love handcuffs, but this is a case where I absolutely would want both players. Because if Rawls isn't healthy or if he has lost a step due to that ankle injury, you're going to want to be all over Michael, right? That's one of the better running games in the league. Somehow, magically, they make that happen with the terrible offensive line that they've had. It's uh, not really sure how that happens, but um, and I'm not really worried about CJ Proceis. I think the plan there has always been to have him as a receiving weapon. Um, But I don't think, you know, he missed some time as well in the the preseason through August there. And I don't think that coming out of the gate that he's going to be, you know, a big part of the offense. I think as the year goes on, he might carve out more of that, you know, Fred Jackson receiving back kind of role like they had in Seattle before. But I wouldn't be worried about him getting, you know, early touches and definitely not taking the job from either Rawls or, or Michael.
0: Now, Justin, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We know that every season, some random guy like Devontae Freeman or Peyton Hillis, whoever it may be, emerges as a top three running back. Do you think that one of these Seattle guys, once they figure out who gets the job, whether it be Rawls or Michael, could end up being one of the top three running backs in football this season?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. If, if Rawls or Michael ends up with that job alone, the other one's out of the picture because of injury or, you know, something like that. I totally think they could be top three, top five. Um, I mean, that running game, you know, with the the threat of Russell Wilson there as well, and that passing games made some some leaps, which forces defense to respect them. A hundred percent. And that, that's a winning team. So when you're talking yeah. about game scripts, they're going to lean on that run quite a bit. And you know we might not have Marshawn Lynch there anymore, but it looks like there's two very capable backs. And and like I said, I had I have uh, Thomas Rawls this week as an RB two. That's lower than I'm normally going to put him. If you know once he's healthy, and we know that that's his job. He's going to be right back in the RB one mix. All right, and then finally,
0: let's talk about this Redskins running back situation. They're saying Matt Jones is going to be ready for game one, but I mean they have him in a non-contact jersey at practice. He's coming back from a knee issue. Who is going to get the carries? Is it going to be Jones or is there something up their sleeve?
1: Seems like it's going to be Jones. He's he is practicing. He's saying all the right things, although players are normally a little more optimistic than most people about their own playing uh, availability. Um, I really wish that Chris Thompson was a better rusher and not just, you know, not just a really good receiver, because I think he was when he got the ball last year. I don't know why they don't give him a chance over six yards per carry. Yeah. Like there must be something there. They don't think that he can yeah. and hold up. You know, I, I mean, I think that it could have been the job. It could have been his job if, you know, he was a better, better running back or maybe, you know, maybe a running back who could sustain drives more. You know, he's a little bit more of a flashy player. Maybe he can get some of those big runs, uh, catch the defense off guard. But um, I like him. I like him as a, you know, in PPR leagues, I think he's very underrated. Um, and Matt Jones is someone that I think he's going to be just like you know uh, Alfred Morris was there, right? And Alfred Morris, aside from his rookie year when he you know shocked everybody and he was a great pick to have, he really just became a decent option. You know he was an RB two, yeah, he was just a, guy. Really a low end RB two. He would put up sixty yards the odd time you get a touchdown, and you were really unfulfilled owning him, right? Like. For me, I want to draft players that are going to blow up. I want to dominate my league. I don't just want to have somebody as my RB2 that's you know just going to get by or that I'm going to be excited that he topped 70 <laughs> yards in a week or something like that, right? And I think that's what Matt Jones is, and partially because he's not really a receiving threat, right? So he's not bringing that to the table. The Redskins, you know, haven't been great at running the ball. They haven't been good at running the ball near the goal line at all. Like last year, uh, you know, last year, um, the, the running backs really didn't get into the end zone very often. Um, so I, I'm i staying away from from them aside from Chris Thompson in a, you know, in a PPR league as sort of a flex option, maybe. The people who have been listening
0: to this podcast all off know that I was really high on Chris Thompson. <clears throat> Because I thought Chris Thompson could get this uh, get this running back job and steal it from Matt Butterfinger Jones. And I, I'm I'm really disappointed it hasn't happened. I'm still crossing my fingers that I was right about that one. But I've I've backed off from the situation. I'm I'm not drafting Thompson in any league. I was drafting him in a, a bunch of MFL leagues, but um, not
1: anymore. <laughs> well, that offense, it's going to be similar to what it was last year. right? short passing, quick hits. They're going to try to limit their mistakes. You know, and, and I think, you know, that's part of the reason why Kirk Cousins led them in, in rushing touchdowns. Right. Like he was just it was just easier for him to call his own number because they weren't getting a push off the ball. They weren't getting the the running backs in the end zone. So, I, you know, with the brutal running game last year, I don't see big improvements this year, though. I really like, you know, uh, guys like Jordan Reed, Deshaun Jackson, both in week one and for the whole season. I think they were great values in drafts, and I think they're going to have big weeks coming out of the gate. I'm glad to hear you say that you really like Jordan Reed because I've been
0: hyping him all preseason. But everyone I talk to, all these experts that come on, just make me feel really bad about it. Like, like, uh, like a guy who has concussion problems is is the end of the (laughs) world. And, you know, I get that. There's some guys that I'm avoiding for that reason. But it's because of where they're being drafted. Jordan Reed's being drafted in the right spot, maybe even a little late. Uh, based on how efficient he was at the end of last season uh but I, I think jordan reed in week one i've got him in every single dfs lineup there's no doubt about it i'm
1: not even looking at anyone else jordan reeds in yeah, my jordan, he, he is their number one option in the receiving game yeah and i agree i you know i think that his value in drafts you can get him late third early fourth i've seen him fall even lower than that in some drafts you know I, I've always thought that the, you know, everyone says oh, tight end, such a deep position. And while I think quarterback is a deep position, I actually think it's, it's kind of foolish to think the tight end's a deep position because when you get, uh, you know, past the Travis Kelsey's, let's say, you know, past the top, you know, four or five guys, it's really a crapshoot at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and it, if you can, if you can pick the right player, you can get a, you know, Travis Kelsey on his, you know, breakout year a couple of years ago or something like that, you're in good shape, but it's not a guarantee. Um, so I have my guys that I like down there as well. If you know the Jordan Reeds of the world go a little too early for my liking, um, you know, I'll go after somebody like Zach Miller if you're looking really late or Dwayne Allen's been someone that I've gotten in quite a bit of leagues. Um, but I've actually gone early on tight end this year and not not so early that I'm getting Gronk, because I I normally don't do that, but Mm -hmm. Jordan Reed's in a great position, especially if you can get him as your fourth pick and you know you can have a couple receivers and a running back on your roster already. And then you have a player that I think could actually top Gronk as the, the top tight end this year if he stays healthy. Uh, last year in PPR leagues, he averaged more points per game than Gronk That's exactly did. Right. So the possibility is there. I definitely agree. It's
0: a, it's a great value. I'm, I'm very happy to have got him in uh, several of my leagues. And uh, I'm sure my league mates were shaking their heads just thinking I was a big idiot. But I'm, I'm happy with it. <laughs> All right, let's look at some of these week one rankings, and this is where you really make your money, so I'm excited to see what you have to say. I haven't seen your rankings yet, so it's going to be a surprise for me as well as the listeners, and I'm looking at the week one rankings right now. If you're listening and you want to follow along, go ahead and pause it after you go to fantasypros.com slash NFL slash rankings slash QB, or you can just go to our front page, hit the NFL drop-down menu, and you'll see week one rankings there. So we're starting on quarterbacks, and I'm looking at this and Cam Newton's all the way down at number five right now. Derek Carr is sitting there at number Number six somehow and justin i want to know who do you think is overvalued and undervalued at this position this week
1: well i like that you said cam newton right off the top because i i have him as a guy that's uh you know that's far too too high right now i think most people have him ranked i think he's on average around five uh i have him in my and like i said not done my my final rankings today but uh, i have him at 10 in the first rankings that i did um you know we can all remember what happened with against the Broncos last year in February, yeah. right? Like. Uh, You know, I think Newton's going to be out for some revenge. But I think that Broncos defense, you know, it's still as good as it was. It's not falling off a cliff anytime soon. Um, And I think this is going to be just as much of a a nightmare for Newton as uh, as it was back in the Super Bowl.
0: I agree. I I have him a lot lower, too. And uh, I'm looking at it. One expert even has him number 13. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. Now, one guy that I'm really intrigued by is Dak Prescott at number 17. Somebody has him all the way up at number seven, but he's still sitting there at number seven. Seventeen expert consensus rankings yet Yahoo projections ESPN projections both have him there in the top seven or eight players do you think that he's ranked too low right now
1: I think I think we have to see a little bit more from him I think just what I saw in the preseason it was you know it was a solid performance but it was the preseason it was very vanilla yeah Um, he's got the weapons there to to make some noise but I think the Cowboys coming out are going to try to lean on that run game, obviously, as much as they can behind that dominant offensive line. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be the volume there for him unless the game script forces yeah. it and the, the Giants get out but I actually think it's it's going to be a fairly close game and I think they're going to be able to to keep putting the ball and in, in Ezekiel Elliott's gut and uh, and try to let him win the game for them so I don't see Prescott having a huge game I you know I think he's in my initial rankings uh, 16 or 17 I, th- I think he's around there but I'm not looking at him as a, a low-end QB one or anything like that in week one
0: who's one QB that you're going to move way
1: up this list I have Tyrod Taylor at six. Um, now, I have to say I am a Buffalo Bills fan. So <laughs> <you> I, <laughs> I grew up in Niagara Falls right by Buffalo. So, you know, I grew up a Bills fan right around those years when they were in the AFC championship every single year and they making it to the Super Bowls and losing. Um, so I I have to say that. But, uh, you know, that aside, I'm a huge fan of Tyrod in fantasy. I think we saw it last year. You know, he was averaging top five, top six fantasy QB numbers. Um, when he was healthy. So I, you know, with Sammy Watkins healthy, there were some worries about that going to the season uh, with Watkins healthy. I think those who are going to pick up where they left off and they were absolutely on fire in the second half of last year. I think we're going to see Watkins take a big step this year.
0: Yeah, I um, agree.
1: And, you know, Tyrod, he's playing against the, the Ravens defense, and this isn't the Ravens defense from 2001. I've seen them overdrafted quite a bit in fantasy, actually. Um, you know, I think the Ravens defense, you're going to be able to throw on it. Um, you know, I think uh, Mark Tressman's going to want to throw quite a bit. So this could actually end up turning into a high scoring game with all the injuries the Bills had on defense uh, this offseason. Um, Tyrod actually might be able to uh, to get the ball downfield and we might see a, a really big game from him.
0: Justin, I'm right in line with you thinking this is going to be a high scoring game right now. I'm looking at it and the consensus over under is 44. That seems way too low to me with uh, what's happened with that Bills defense. I, I mean, I know it's supposed to be good. Um, and Rex Ryan is a defensive, uh, a defensive coach But the thing is they lost so many guys And Baltimore has no defense I think this one's going to be a shootout I think it's going to be one of the top two or three scoring games of the day And so I'm right with you I have Tyrod Taylor in my top eight on any normal day Just based on what he did last season I think they're going to take another step forward Especially with Watkins I mean they weren't even on the same page until late in the season and then they go up against Baltimore. So I think uh, Taylor is, should be right there in the top seven or six. I am uh, 100% in agreement with you. All right, let's move over to the running back position. And there's some interesting, uh, interesting spots here. I mean, David Johnson right now is sitting at number three against that Patriots defense, which I think is really good. Somebody has him all the way down at 13.
1: Where do you have him? Uh, I've, uh, David Johnson at two. I, I didn't change my, uh, my rankings that much from my draft rankings for week one, to be honest, near the top. Yeah, uh, D'Angelo Williams snuck into the top five and he's a guy that we can maybe talk about, uh, in a second, but, um, David Johnson looks phenomenal. The only question with him is going to be whether he gets that full workload. And while I had my questions at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the preseason, whether that was going to happen, it seems like they're ready to do that. And, I, you know, I Carson Palmer didn't look great in the preseason. Um, they might need to lean on that running game a little bit as the year gets going. And David Johnson can do it all. I mean, he's going to he can make big plays. He, he's a phenomenal receiver as well. Um really excited to see uh, what he's gonna do both in week one and moving forward. A lot of respect for the Patriots defense for Belichick's scheming. um you know, the Patriots defense, it's still like we said before, it's the preseason, so you know you can't take too much away from a defensive performance, but they were creating turnovers, they were getting pressure. um you know, so I think they're gonna be really good. But I think this Cardinals offense is still going to be one of the better offenses in the league. And I think David Johnson just isn't going to be denied this year.
0: Interesting. OK, and then you already talked about D'Angelo Williams a little bit, but can you expound on that? Right now, he's sitting at 12. You have him in the top five.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was an RB1 anytime he was a starter last year, right? And how quickly we forget that. So, I, you know, I think he should be ranked accordingly. The Redskins defense is going to be better. Um, you know, they have some additions. They were actually pretty underrated last year as well. But D'Angelo can make noise on the ground. He can do it through the air. Uh, That Steelers offense, you know, likes to to lean on the running back a little bit at times. And, you know, he basically does what Le'Veon does. You know, he's just going to give you, you know, 80 to 90 percent of what Le'Veon Bell gives you. And that's still an RB1, in my opinion. Now, we
0: already talked about Spencer Ware. You have him jumping up from number 30 to number 13. Who's somebody that you're low on this week that you think the other experts are too high on? I, I just can't
1: get behind Carlos Hyde. I I, <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, having Chip Kelly come in there and increasing that volume and, yeah. you know, maybe you'd see something from, you know, Blaine Gabbard or Colin Kaepernick in the preseason and that offense would just start to get some momentum and and get going. You know, um, you know, it was very sad seeing Bruce Ellington lost for the season and Torrey Smith really just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to do that much because They just can't get him the ball down the field. You're right. Um, So I really have have been turned off by that offense uh, over the last month. Um, And Hyde, I mean, we're already seeing he he had a concussion in the preseason. He's never been able to really stay on the field. Um, The talent is there, but now he has a matchup going up against the the Rams. And that Rams front seven is going to shut him down, in my opinion. And this is all assuming that he plays. There's still a chance that, you know, he might not play or he might be limited. Now, if he doesn't play, who's going to get the carries? I think Sean Dron's going to step right in there. Um, I think he's shown he can do a little bit of everything. Um, I also like Mike Davis um, and he might take some carries, but I really think they would lean on Sean Dron, uh based on, you know, what he can do in the receiving game and the fact that he's shown he can run the ball pretty effectively.
0: Now, let's say that it's Saturday and Carlos Hyde's ruled out. How high are
1: you moving drawn up this list? I would have drawn as a, a low end uh, RB two, So I would have him, you know, maybe 23, 24, something like that. Um, and going back to looking at a game script, right? I think they're going to have to throw the ball. I think they're going to be down. And I think that plays right into drawn those little, you know, short, uh, yeah. short passes to drawn to kind of move the ball down the field as much as they can. Um, because I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, take deep shots. I
0: know everyone's talking about San Francisco being so bad this year, but I think the Rams are so bad too. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a sour St. Louis fan who had their team stripped away. But, um, you know, on offense, all they have is Todd Gurley. They're starting Case Keenum, the turnover machine himself. Their best wide receiver, who is it? Kenny Britt? It He's not being drafted table if you consider him yeah, a, a full yeah, wide yeah. receiver, but yeah. <laughs> and then their offensive line is in shambles. They've missed a ton of tackles last season. Uh, they lost a couple key defensive players. I think the Rams are terrible too. And I think the 49ers are going to be right in this game. I, this is going to be, this is like the
1: toilet bowl in
0: week one. It is a bad <laughs> game.
1: I, uh, you know, the one 49ers player that I absolutely love is Navarro Bowman. But I don't think Navarro Bowman by himself is going to be able to stop Todd Gurley. I actually think their offensive line is going to be a little bit better this season. Um, I have the same worries and fears about Case Keenum and <laughs> the receivers on that team. They don't really have a tight end. Lance Kendricks isn't really a, a great option. Um, but Gurley is an all-world talent. And is he your I number one this week? He is my number one this week. I think, I think they are going to win that game. I think they're going to lean on Gurley. Um, I think, you know, Gurley is the, the big L.A. star now. Um, and, you know, Jeff Fisher loves running the ball. And Gurley is a, a player that's going to allow him to do that, especially this week. And he gets those big carries every once in a while. So if he gets two or three in a game, we could be looking at 160, 170 yards, which would be, which would be amazing for fantasy teams for sure. Especially in that, you know, that second game on Monday night, which you know people tend to fall asleep. Or it often is a matchup of two teams that aren't that great. Which you know, once again, this season, the Rams, the Rams and 49ers aren't moving the needle that much. But um, I think I think Gurley's going to give us a reason to to pay attention on Monday night. All right, moving over to wide receiver.
0: Julio Jones is the number one ranked guy right now, just barely ahead of Antonio Brown. Who are you taking at the top of your list?
1: I also have Julio at the top. I want to keep an eye on his practice uh, participation this week. I think everything seems fine. It seems like he's going to be okay after the little scare there in the preseason, but... Um, I do have him slightly ahead of, of Antonio Brown, um, you know, which is tough because in, in my most important league, which drafts this evening, I have the number one pick and I will absolutely be taking Antonio Brown. Um, so, you know, it was hard to put Antonio (laughs) Brown anywhere, but number one, because probably maybe for 15 other weeks this season, he will be number one. But, uh, you know, going into the season, I think Julio could have a, a really big game in that matchup. Um, one of those games where Julio just kind of takes over, yeah. um, uh, you know, especially going into the season and if he is healthy, um, it, they could really lean on him in this game. Uh, I think the bucks are actually better than some people think. And I think their offense is going to be able to put points on the board against the Falcons, which is then going to force the Falcons to, to throw. And when they throw, even with Mohammed Sanu there now, they're going to throw to Julio Jones early and often. And I think Jones could have a, a really big week. Now, I'm a little bit worried about Josh Norman. Is he going to be covering Antonio Brown? And if so, should he slide even further down your list? I think the Steelers do a good job of moving Antonio Brown around. I don't think he's just going to be locked on Norman the whole game. Um, they, they tend to get him all over the place. They find ways to get the ball in his hands. And it's Antonio Brown. I, no one, no one in the league can shut him down completely. So uh, if I'm an Antonio Brown owner, I, I wouldn't be that worried that Norman's going to be able to do that. And let's see what Norman can do outside of that Panthers uh, defense as well. Right. This is a, a new scheme. He's a talented player. Um, but sometimes we see free agents change teams and maybe they're not the, uh, you know, the superstar talent that they were in the uh, defense or the offense that they played in the year before. Yeah. The Redskins don't definitely don't have the pass rush that the Panthers have. So, uh, that
0: might impact Norman a little bit. Um, now who do you have way higher on the list than, uh, than other experts?
1: When I looked at it uh, earlier, it looked like everybody had Corey Coleman in sort of the late '30s, and I was really surprised by that. I mean, with with Josh Gordon out, Coleman seems like he's going to be the number one. Um, And the Browns' offense really showed they they're willing to throw that ball down the field. They're really willing to try to make big plays and we, ha- we didn't see a lot of Coleman in the preseason, you know, we've sort of heard things here and there. Um, but I think he's actually going to be a star. I, I think he's just a star that we haven't seen shine yet, I guess. Uh, and I think week one could be the, the sort of his coming out party where everybody realizes what a talent that he is. All right. And who do you have lower on your wide receiver list than, uh, than the experts? Uh, I'm pretty, pretty worried about Calvin Benjamin. Um, you know, it might be an obvious pick because, you know, there's been reports that he's going to be on a snap count and there's been reports that, you know, he's not going to be the focal point of the passing game. Like he was two years ago before his injury. Um, but I think he was around 29 or so and I have him low thirties. I basically have him and Coleman flip flop from what the, uh, the consensus is. Um, I I really I think that uh, that Devin Funchess is going to be a factor there, even though he's not one of the you know two starters. I think Ted Ginn's being underrated. I, I know we all laugh every time Ted Ginn drops a ball, and but Ted Ginn was was effective last year. He you know he was catching those deep passes. He was making plays, um, and I think the the Panthers are going to try to pass the the you know the ball to everybody this year. They're going to try to work it around. Greg Olson's there as well, and. Going back to their matchup this week, they're playing against the Broncos and the Broncos defense isn't going to give up that much. So you have a, you know, a receiver who's coming in, who's coming off injury, who might be on a snap count, who's facing arguably the best defense in the league. That's that's somebody that I don't really want to you know buy into this. Don't really want to invest in uh, in week one. Now, there's one player that really intrigues me,
0: and it's Jordy Nelson, The experts have him all the way up at number 11, but what's going on with his knee? I mean, it's really early for him to be able to come back from this and be the 11th best wide receiver
1: ahead of guys like Alshon, Jeffrey and Keenan Allen. Are are you seeing this? It's a leap of faith, but I, I am, I, I have Jordy around 13, I think. Um, so right, right around there. Um, and you know, he would normally be a guy who's top seven, top eight, if we know that he's completely healthy. Um, but we need to see it. We need, definitely need to see it from him. Um, he's a guy who, when he's healthy, he has, you know, I mean, with Antonio Brown there, he's probably not going to be the number one, but he's got top three potential by the end of the year. Um, So let's hope that he's healthy. I think everybody wants to see him healthy and everybody probably has him ranked that way because they want to see him come out. Uh, The reports are that he's good to go, that he's been a full go and, and that he's a full go today in practice. And It's going to be interesting uh, because we saw what that Packers offense was like without him. Um, So hopefully he's going to be healthy. I think he is going to be and uh, I'd be willing to have him in my starting lineup. And I'm treating him like a, a high end wide receiver too, basically going into week one.
0: Now, Justin, I want to transition over to talking about game scripts and how that's going to impact some players. And one of the biggest players I think that's going to be impacted by this is Michael Thomas. Uh, Because New Orleans and Oakland, that's going to be a shootout. Right now, the over-unders for 51. I'd put it even higher. I think there's just going to be so much throwing this game. And Thomas is really going to benefit from it. He's probably the number two on that team in targets behind Brandon Cooks. And uh, what do you think about Thomas? Right now, he's number 55 behind some guys like Tyler Boyd
1: and Kamara Aiken. Would you move him up the list? How do you think he's going to do this weekend? I think for this matchup, I think he's going to do well. Because like you said, it's it's tied for the, the highest uh, over-under of the week at 51. So I, I think there's going to be plenty of targets for everybody. and That includes Willie Snead. That includes Cooks that you mentioned. Um, maybe even Kobe Fleener if he doesn't drop them, <laughs> which has been a problem of his in the preseason and in practice. Um, but I, I think Thomas is, is worthy of consideration, still as a wide receiver four with wide receiver three upside. Um, he's the kind of guy that we're going to want to see as the season goes on. I think he's going to work his way into fantasy lineups as the year goes on as a wider, as a steady wide receiver three. And there's one other guy that really stands out to me, especially
0: for DFS purposes. And this is weird, but it's Tyrell Pryor who's number 72 right now. But we talked about that Cleveland offense and Josh Gorman's gone, Josh Gordon's gone.
1: So is Pryor going to get plenty of targets? if everybody remembers, I think it was probably three years ago now when uh, Chris Givens was on the Rams and he was having those games where he would just catch, you know, one ball for 50 yards and a touchdown. Right. I think Pryor has that kind of uh, potential. Right. He could have, uh, you know, like Josh Gordon had in the preseason, a two catch 87 yard, one touchdown kind of game. So yes, I would 100 percent consider Pryor this week. Um, you know, he's a player that you were definitely able to to get late and being that it's week one and there's not many injuries, he might not really be in that many starting lineups, but he's a guy that definitely could show up in the box score and, you know, could finish the week as a, a wide receiver too. even.
0: Now, I know Seattle's past defense is incredible, but. They're also favored to win by 10 and a half points. So I think Miami's going to end up throwing the ball a ton uh, with that game script going on. So are you maybe a little bit intrigued by Jarvis Landry and Ryan Tannehill uh, or are you just avoiding that Miami offense altogether?
1: I really like Adam Gase. Uh, I really think he was a good hire for them. But this week uh, against Seattle, uh, I don't want to uh, I don't want any piece of that offense. Um, you know, I think uh, Aaron Foster actually uh, could get some work, uh, you know, catching balls as they try to you know, make a comeback, uh, something like that. But I think the receivers are going to have a hard time, uh, you know, getting space and uh, have a hard time downfield against that secondary Uh, You know, last year entering the season, the Seahawks, uh, Cam Chancellor was out. If we recall, he had the holdout and, you know, he was a little sluggish at the start of the year. So they didn't get off to a great start this year. They're coming in and they're they're coming in strong. And I don't think Miami is going to be able to match up against that defense. Now, some other big scores, Green Bay, Jacksonville, which
0: is only 48. Surprisingly, do you think that this one's going to be the over? And if so, who's going to benefit
1: from uh, this high, high scoring game? I think the Jaguars are a team that, you know, everyone got on the bandwagon last year, obviously. You know, Blake Bortles had a huge year, the Allens. Um, I think people aren't giving them enough respect this year going into the season. I think that running game could be better than everybody thinks, Um, you know, even if it is both guys splitting, which it seems like it's going to be between Ivory and, and Yeldon. Um, I think Allen Robinson could be even better than he was last year. You know, the, yeah, the touchdowns might come back a little bit, but I think his yardage could actually increase. I, I think he's one of those guys. He's a, a dominant player. Um, and we're going to, I think we're going to see that on on Sunday. Um, so I think the the Jaguars offense is going to be just fine. Uh, you know, I think the, the Packers defense is a team that when they are able to get ahead in games, then they're going to be able to lean on people. I don't know that they're going to be able to get ahead in this game. Um, you know, I still want to see Eddie Lacey prove it. Uh, sure, he you know he worked out all offseason with this P ninety X and, and everything, but you know I'm not so sure that that he's just going to come in and be a, a top five uh, running back option. Um, and that Jaguars defense is better this year. Uh, if you look at their their roster, there's talent at every level now. So uh, I really like the the Jaguars options in this game, um, especially those receiving options. Like we said, because. If the game script goes where, you know, Jordy Nelson comes out, he's completely healthy. The Packers offense is right back where it was a couple years ago and they're just killing it. Then great. That's what we had last year with the uh, Jaguars and Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson, Alan Hearns. They're just going to throw all over them late in the game and rack up yards like they did last year.
0: And then finally, some of the later games on the slate, Detroit and Indianapolis uh, and then Pittsburgh and Washington both have over 50 points projected. Who's going to be the beneficiary from these two games?
1: Uh, for, the, uh, for the Lions-Colts game, I would almost treat it just like the Raiders-Saints game. I am, I'm taking everybody I can in those receiving games. I, I still love the Colts offense. I know their offensive line is, is pretty uh, worrisome. Um, but I think all three of those receivers could perform on a weekly basis. Uh, like I mentioned before, I like Dwayne Allen. Um, and then looking at the Lions, Marvin Jones, I'm all in. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there's a, a big contingent of uh, fantasy experts that, that love Marvin Jones. I have him ranked higher than Golden Tate. I think he's going to be their number one receiver this year. Um, I think he's going to be an absolute breakout star. Uh, he's shown me everything I need to see in the, the preseason from, you know, being able to make plays, having chemistry with Stafford and being targeted like a number one. Um, You know, he's not going to be Calvin Johnson, um, but when we did our bold predictions this year, uh, I actually predicted that, you know, uh, bold predictions can be fairly outlandish, but I predicted that (laughs) there's a chance he could put up better stats than Calvin Johnson had last year, which is, which is, you know, 1200 yards. And I think Calvin Johnson had eight touchdowns or something like that. So I predicted, you know, the yardage might not be as high, but he could definitely have double digit scores and going out there against the the Colts defense, the Colts defense has uh, been very friendly to. Everybody have been very porous. So um, Davis yeah. is gone. Bonty Davis is gone. So uh, not much to, to stop them coming out of the gate. And with Jim Bob Cooter's offense, they're going to play fast and that's going to that's going to lead to fantasy points. All right. And then finally,
0: let's talk about some of these matchups here. First, let's start with a bad matchup here. We've got Cincinnati and the New York Jets. Now, we know that the Jets have a great defensive line led by Sheldon Richardson and a couple other great players, Leonard Williams and so forth. Cincinnati's running back situation you've got Bernard and Jeremy Hill by themselves if one of them had the job he would start them every single week but with this situation that they have going on their backfield are you benching
1: both of these players I'm benching uh, Hill this week I would say Um, or at least considering him a very low-end RB2 I like Gio Bernard uh, obviously especially in PPR leagues but with Tyler Eifert out with a lot of uncertainty around that second receiver, we're not totally sure. Tyler Boyd seems to have some talent. Brandon LaFell, I don't know what he's going to be able to do for them. Um, I think they're going to have to lean on Bernard quite a bit. Um, and I think Bernard's a kind of player that could actually gash the the Jets defense. Um, so I, I like him this week. Um, he'll maybe not as much. Hill's going to be, you know, a, a touchdown dependent guy. Um, and that's kind of what he was last year as well. Um, And he's going to have a hard time, I think, getting into the end zone this week. And then likewise in the Minnesota-Tennessee game, the over-under is
0: 41. Now we know you're starting AP, but what about that Tennessee backfield with Murray and then Henry, who he's got to steal some carries. He's been so good. Are you starting those
1: guys against the Minnesota defense? I would love to see Henry. I mean, we're not going to see it this week, but I would love to see Henry get that starting job. And, you know, once again, not a not a DeMarco Murray injury or anything like that. But, you know, if some way Henry gets that starting job all to himself, it's going to be fantastic. And and fantasy owners are going to rejoice going into this week, though. I think it's still Murray's Murray's role. um, And I would start Murray. Um, it's a very, very difficult matchup, uh, similar to Jeremy Hill. You're going to have him as a, a low end RB two, Um, but with, with Henry, he's just, he's not going to get enough touches in my opinion, um, to be that relevant in fantasy, uh, uh, starting in week one, or at least, you know, the first few weeks of the season, hopefully he can, he can carve out a role, uh, as we get going.
0: Now, both Philadelphia and Cleveland had horrible rushing defenses last year. They allowed well over 120 yards rushing uh, per game last year. Now, this is a low over under at 41 and a half. It's actually
1: one of the lowest of the day. But are you loading up on these running backs? I think the, the Cleveland running backs have been underrated. I think especially Isaiah Crowell. Like he went very, very late in drafts and he's their, you know, first, second down guy. He's a guy that could potentially hang on to that job and sort of push Duke Johnson to the background. I think Duke Johnson is a more talented back. Um, I think Duke, Duke Johnson is going to get a lot of work because they're going to be coming from behind in games. Uh, but any game where they can keep it close and they're often sh- showed some signs that they could potentially be decent enough to, to keep games close this year. I think Crowell could do well. And I think this is a game where that's possible. The Eagles front seven is great. Um, really, really love those guys led by Fletcher Cox um, but Crowell's a guy who I think could surprise a lot of people this week on the other side, Ryan Matthews, he's healthy. We're going to start him a month from now, if he's not healthy, which is probably going to be the case, he's going to be on you know, the back of our minds. We're going to have forgotten him at that point. But, um, yeah, for now, I think Ryan Matthews is in there. He's going to be, you know, a sort of mid-level RB2 this week. Um, and I, like I said, I think Crowell could sneak his way into the RB2 conversation as well. And then finally,
0: what's one matchup that really stands out to you? One or two that you really like, and uh, it's going to cause you to move
1: some guys up the list here. Um, well, we mentioned Spencer Ware before. Part of the reason that I have Spencer Ware so high is just that Chargers run defense is just terrible, right? It just, even in the preseason, they couldn't stop anybody. That was the the game where the Titans ran all over them. And so, uh, you know, that's part of the, the reasoning for that Spencer Ware ranking this week. Um, Greg Olson, I think script there, they're going to win by over a touchdowns.
0: What Vegas is saying. So, you know, if that's the case, where's going to get plenty of carries for himself.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Um, You know, Greg Olson, as much as I don't like the Panthers this week, the way to attack the Broncos is through the tight end. Um, So I, I really like him this week. I mean, he's going to be a top five option most weeks, but that's a, a half decent matchup for him because I think most of the other pieces on that offense are going to be shut down. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is just going to eat the Bears secondary alive. But I also think this could be a game where Will Fuller steps up. I don't think Will Fuller is going to be a consistent fantasy option. Um, but I think as we saw in the preseason, he's going to be able to catch those deep balls and use that speed. Um, so I definitely think that he's uh, somebody that you're going to want to target because of the injuries the, the Bears are dealing with in their secondary. They're really in trouble this week um, on a defense where I, I think they added a lot of nice pieces in the front seven. That secondary is still a, a big, big problem. Um Odell Beckham obviously is a guy that you're going to have high, but you know, his sort of number two, uh, the, the Robin to his Batman is going to be Sterling Shepard this year and going against what I deem a, a subpar Cowboys defense. I think Shepard's going to have a, a big game and, you know, we didn't see that much from him in the preseason. He made a few nice plays. He didn't have any, you know, big stat lines or anything like that. The giants, I think we're just kind of holding them knowing what they have. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't really think Victor Cruz is going to be able to to be a factor. So I think Shepard's going to step into that number two job and and really run with it right from week one. All
0: right, Justin. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this time around. It was a lot of fun talking to you. You had some great insight and uh, really make me think about my ranking. So thank you for coming on and uh, and for giving us all some advice. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll be glad to have you again sometime. Have a great week and for our next show we're gonna have Raymond Summerlin on to go more in depth for week one so make sure you tune in for that and then later in the week we're gonna have a DFS segment that comes out on Fridays it's it's gonna really help you guys so please tune in for those shows if you haven't already please rate and review us on iTunes and uh, subscribe if you haven't already we've been moving up the ranks and we really appreciate you guys who have already done that and helped us get some exposure and remember to enter the my playbook ultimate sweepstakes which can really help you with your league you can also go to my playbook and upload one team for free and see how that tool can can help you out great stuff I would recommend it to anybody and not just because I'm with fantasy pros all right that's all we have for you this time thanks for listening and enjoy your football
1: I just wanted you to watch me all